and what a Devon cast we have for you with guests aplenty this time around. Later on, we've got writer, broadcaster and political prize fighter Alastair Campbell. We've got Devon actor, singer and comedian Charlie Baker. And we've got the frontman of 90s pop sensations, the Boo Radleys. I'm Guy Henderson. And I'm Alison Stevenson. On the way this week, Russell Brand's show in Plymouth is cancelled following serious sexual allegations, which he denies. We join the people of Brixham as they find out more about ambitious new plans for a luxury hotel and spa beside their favourite beach. And a local fisherman tells us about his David and Goliath battle. Plus, Plymouth celebrates its special relationship with the Navy as 150 sailors and Royal Marines take part in a ceremony and parade in the city. This is going to be a long podcast. You might want to make yourself a cup of tea. Seven cast from Radio X. It's been a busy old week in Torbay, with council meetings every night this week. Last night's full council session didn't finish until nearly 10pm, and there have been some big decisions to make. The council has decided to wind up the Torbay Development Agency, the company set up to lead the Bay's regeneration. Times have changed, they heard, and companies like the TDA have had their day. The council is bringing the regeneration work back in-house. Also, the council's housing company, Torvista Homes, is under scrutiny. The administration has decided to put it on ice for the time being while it has a close look at how it operates. A £1.5 million loan is being written off and the company will no longer be allowed to borrow millions for its projects. One member told the council the Bay didn't want to end up with the Three Rivers, referring to the housing company at Mid-Devon Council which has racked up debts of more than £20 million. But the biggest round of applause in the council chamber was for Brixham fisherman Tristan Northway who handed in a petition signed by 763 people calling for action. Tristan described his David and Goliath battle to sell his catch on the quayside as post-pandemic law changes leave him high and dry. His little blue boat is the smallest and oldest in the Brixham fleet and he was able to bring fresh fish to the quay as bylaws were relaxed during the Covid pandemic. But now the regulations have come back into force and he's driving thousands of motorway miles to sell his catch instead of selling it locally. Here's Tristan. Yeah, I've, uh, I've, I've attended a, a full council meeting to uh, ask them to rebe- amend uh, the bylaws um, to allow me to sell fresh fish directly from the Adela. Because you were doing this during the pandemic. That's you correct. You started doing it during the pandemic. Yep. Yep. But they relaxed the bylaws. There's then, a couple of bylaws. Come back in again yeah, now. there's a couple of bylaws that they relaxed during the um, uh, pandemic. Uh, and since the pandemic was. Uh, sort of relaxed itself um they reinforced the bylaws again basically uh hindering my well what they didn't realize is what through covid businesses evolved Mm -hmm. and i evolved and uh and i managed to make it work for what i do but um it was a very strong offering not just for brixton but for the the whole of torbay and then for them just to nigh on click their fingers and stop me doing what i was doing um, not only has it uh, affected my earning potential, but also the opportunity for people to get proper fresh yeah. fish. Landing on the market has just um, it's been monopolised and small boat fishermen just don't stand a chance, really. Is this kind of a David and Goliath thing then? Because you, you, you are, I've seen pictures of your boat, it is a very small boat. It is the smallest the in the fleet, yeah, it's the, the, literally the smallest um, trawler in the fleet compared to everybody. And I might add, she's the oldest as well, being over 50 year olds, very pretty, but um, she does what I need her to do. I think I made my point, I think I stuck to what I needed to say, uh, and uh, yeah, hopefully, fingers crossed, I can uh, get them amended and maybe, you know, I'll get back to where I should be and where people want me back on the pontoon selling the freshest fish you'll ever buy. 
Devon comedian Charlie Baker is heading home in November for a gig at the Babacom Theatre in Torquay. He's been on a marathon tour of the country with his 24-hour pasty people show, which will be filmed for posterity at his Torquay date. I've been chatting to Charlie, who's a mad keen Torquay United fan, about the day the Gulls manager came to a show, why the Babacom Theatre is such a special place, and how on earth you explain Trago Mills to the good people of Hull. 24-hour pasty people, it's a bit like um, Haley's Comet, you're coming back around again. Back around again. It was a huge success, guy. I had a great time with it. The show's great, um, and people really enjoy it. And I feel like it's the most me I've ever been um, in anything. I'm really proud of the show. Um, it's it's really exciting to try and exp- like I was in Hull on Saturday night, and I was trying to explain what Trago Mills is <laughs> to the people of Hull. <laughs> Did they get it? Because <laughs> there's a big bit about Trago Mills in my show, and so I have to. So when I first did, I started this tour in Tynmouth, and it went really well because you know I'm talking to people about their bus route or whatever. But but I did. Someone did go after it. How are you going to do this in Salford or Birmingham? Or I was like, well, I don't really know, but I'll find a way. And it's actually worked better. It's actually, but because you have to explain yourself and explain what stuff is and stuff like Trago Mills and that sort of thing, it's a show that's not a, um, about Devon, but it's like a love letter to Devon. It's like a sort of it's a it's a show about growing up in the countryside and living in the countryside. I think how countryside people are a, a little bit different and uh, in a good way, and uh, it's a show. Uh, it's just funny. It's just fun. I, I never leave more than 20 seconds without a, a joke or a laugh. There's songs in it. Yeah. There's uh, there's dancing in it. Um, very sexy dancing I do in it, Guy. I'm very sexy man all of a sudden. I, I, um, I was there at Tynmouth. I was actually sat next to the Torquay <laughs> United manager and his assistant. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now there's a bit about heights in it. There's a good fun bit about heights. It's my favourite bit of the show, the routine about heights, which is about what's the worst height. And I go on about people who are five foot five, five foot six. And I go on about people who are six foot two. Yeah. And six foot two. Guess. And then um, Gary and Aaron came up to me afterwards and, and, he, and then Gary went, I'm five foot six. And Aaron went, I'm six foot two. <laughs> <laughs> so like, we thought you were going to, we thought you were talking about us for a bit there. But yeah. yeah, oh, that was very nice. They came actually, Gary and Aaron. That was really nice. But yeah, the show's developed a little bit. I've jigged it around a little bit. But yeah, we're coming to Babacom, which is the big one. We're filming, it. we're filming it in Babacom. They asked me if I wanted to film the show, and I said, yes, can I do it in Torquay? Um, I thought about boots and laces for a bit, but I wanted to, I wanted to uh, sort of pack it, be at the spiritual home of Bruce Forsyth. Um, my nan had a guest house in Torquay. Um, I put it. I sort of put it down to my nan um, getting free tickets for the Princess Theatre when we were growing up. Um, that I became a comedian in the first place. So yeah, we're trying to sell as many tickets for the Babacom Theatre as we possibly can. It's November the tenth, isn't it, Babacom Theatre? November the tenth. It's a Friday. Torquay United are away the next day. Um, they're not at home, which is a bit of a shame. They're away the next day, but I made sure it didn't clash with a goals match. Um, and I'd love as many Torquay United fans. Well, I'd love as many Devonshire people down there as 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 possible. We're about half full at the moment, so it'd be nice to sell a, a sort of a hundred or two more. Um, just to, just so when we film it, it doesn't look like Devon's as empty you know, as everyone thinks it is. I tell you what, loads of Torquay fans have, have come down. It's so nice. It's yeah. so nice. When, even in Hull on Saturday night, uh, 
guy Steve was sat front and centre with his Talking United promotion shirt on from the last time we won the National League South. So they really have come out. It's been absolutely lovely. Brilliant. And, uh, uh, the whole show's been a, a lot of fun. I'm not going to give the game away for anybody that's listening and wants to go along, but one of your catchphrases from the show has entered our family uh, vocabulary straight away. I'm not even going to say which Facebook, one it is. Facebook one. That's the one. Yeah, that's the one. You can say it. Get what, it on the marketplace, guys. Somebody, somebody says in the household, what are we going to do with this leftover <laughs> pasta? And somebody comes back in, get it on the marketplace. Get it on the marketplace oh yeah oh listen i try and get as many catchphrases going in my life as possible i love a catchphrase and the babacom theater is so nice but the interior is it feels untouched since mm. sort of 60s 70s and and just uh, in a good way as well in a, in a sort of classy way so yeah i've um i'm, I'm really looking forward to, to to playing it apparently the uh, tim vine or the comedian always says the stage not the stage the, there's a there's a door from the dressing room <laughs> that you open and you're sort of off the end of the cliff but he says he always goes so if a gig goes badly there's an easy way out <laughs> it won't i look i look forward to it charlie thank you very much for your time oh cheers guy up the goals and now a show by comedian russell brand due to take place at the plymouth pavilions in aid of the city's trevi charity which helps women in recovery was postponed after the star was accused of serious sexual offenses which he's denied After extensive investigations, the Sunday Times, the Times and Channel 4 show Dispatches reported claims that Bran raped, sexually assaulted and emotionally abused women in the mid-2000s. Plymouth Violence Against Women and Girls champion Councillor Zoe Riley campaigned for the show to be postponed and later all remaining dates on the bipolarisation tour were cancelled. She speaks here to the full council. As Violence Against Women and Girls champion for our city... And in light of news relating to Russell Bland over the weekend and the concerns that have been shared with me by residents, I would like to take this opportunity to say Plymouth City Council have made huge efforts to make our city a beacon for tackling violence against women and girls with the Purple Flag Accreditation Extension, working towards a Vogue Charter, the strategic lead for Vogue who is working tirelessly to tackle violence against women and girls, and for Man Culture who are having groundbreaking conversations such as holding the very successful conference on the 6th of September with many in attendance. This is just a small amount of the work that is going on through our dedicated offices. For myself, connecting people together so that we can all have open, honest and appropriate conversations on how we not only tackle Vogue but how we understand it. Working with Councillor Sally Hayden, Youth Parliament, NSPCC, the Police, Man Culture, the Fire Service, Youth Service and many more It's really important work and I am passionate about delivering, as are all of those involved. Anyone who watched the programme at the weekend will understand (coughs) the feelings it will have brought up for many of those suffering from the effects of domestic abuse and sexual violence. The fact that Friday's show has been sold under the banner of supporting women and with the very serious nature of the allegations, I stand by my statement that it would be inappropriate for this show to go ahead and I have asked Plymouth Pavilions to reflect on whether it should. Brixham people have turned out in force to find out more about ambitious plans to transform their beloved Breakwater Beach. Hundreds queued across the waterfront car park for a chance to get inside the Breakwater Bistro to see the plans for themselves after owner Jack Turton unveiled a £30 million scheme for a luxury hotel on the Torbay Council-owned site. 
Mr Turton, who bought the lease on the popular bistro earlier this year for around £2 million, says the Blue Flag Beach and its facilities are in safe hands and the development will bring new jobs and more tourists to Brixham. Well, the overall scheme is to put this bistro back into perpetuity so it's going to last 100 years at the minute with lots of problems with it. It's underground pinning is completely shot. So in the next five years we're going to have to do something radical. So we decided to look at it and see what we could bring to the public realm as well as privately. We're not here to just build. We're trying to build something that suits Brixham. The Breakwater Beach will not change. The, the beach doesn't get touched. The only thing that we do at the minute for the beach is keep the blue flag by keeping the beach clean and tidy, making sure that there's no litter or sharp objects out there, which there is a lot of times. Mr Turton's development company, Bricks and Mortar, says the new 44-bedroom hotel would be built to four or five-star standards and would have a restaurant, roof bar, gym, spa and a new beachside bistro. There would also be self-catering apartments on stilts, free changing rooms for beach users and free public toilets. But some locals are not convinced. Here's bricks and born and bred, Paul Ward. Ridiculous, rubbish. And I saw the two men at the end of the queue and I asked them who they were and they said, we're the architects. And I said, I'm just going to say one word to you. And I said, vile. They're saying that it will bring economic benefits, it'll bring jobs and it'll bring tourism. What do you think of that? I don't think it's right because there's lots of businesses along here that have got hotels and bed and breakfast that will take that away from them. Um, it'll take the car park away. The, uh, it's the only beach that has any disabled access, so it's going to take all that away. It's ridiculous. If you go and look at the plans, they've got pictures of the of, upon the road here, which has got the most beautiful view here, and they say this is the view from Berryhead Road, and it's the back of the hotel. Well, who wants to see that? There's nobody. There's nobody here for it. They're all against it. I can assure you of that. And Robin Hooker, whose Save Our Beach store was gathering local opinions, said the majority of people he had spoken to were against the plans. The majority of people are saying they don't like it. They don't like it because of the overcrowding. Mm -hmm. um, they don't like it that it's going to take some of our precious beach away. It's only a, a small beach. Yeah. It's, it's almost like a family beach because it's a Brixham beach. The holidaymakers come here and enjoy it as well. Mm -hmm. um, but the kids have to come down and sit on it after school. Um, people come after work. And people fish from it, people go boating from it, and it's very small. Do you fear that that might be lost if this goes ahead? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the present plans have got to go out on stanchions into the beach, um, but even if it does moderate it, any single sort of square inch yeah. that's taken away from our little beach yeah. would be really important to us. It's not big, it's a sweet little beach, everybody loves it. Um, and I think the beach is so attractive, so useful. Summer, autumn, winter, when the storms are raging, people come down and they stand on the beach, they watch the waves go over the breakwater. It's just a little local lovely beach. Bricks and Mortar says it will maintain the beach's coveted blue flag status and keep it accessible to all with improved disabled access. It also intends to go on giving nearby Shoalston Pool financial help as well as increasing the capacity of the marina car park. Planning consultant Charles Giselle explains. Oh, yeah, we're talking about a new 44-bed uh, hotel development uh, on the uh, Breakwater Beach. Um, it will include a spa, restaurant, gym, uh, community facilities on the uh, ground floor, increased uh, public toilets, 
which will be free to use, changing rooms for people who use the beach, particularly the wild swimmers and the divers. Uh, there'll be water sports uh, available and uh, also new beach huts. It will be larger than uh, the development that's here. It's designed very much to reflect the character of the um, buildings around Brixham Harbour. Um, it is larger, but it has been designed to be broken up into individual buildings and also to have views in between from the road at the top. It definitely uh, helped uh, the economy of uh, Brixham. It bring uh, a considerable number of jobs, uh, secondary spend into uh, the community. And also the facilities. I mean, those, the facilities I described, they'll all be open to the public. Um, the bistro will continue. Uh, it'll also be pitched to be used and benefited by uh, the local community as, as well as visitors. The uh, Breakwater Bistro supports Shoston Pool. 15 pence of every uh, coffee sold uh, goes as a donation. I think the bistro has given them over £3,000 in the last few months. And yes, we'll continue to look to see if we can support them. Blue Flag Beach uh, is actually maintained in part by the work that the bistro currently does to clean the area. Uh, Blue Flag will be maintained and during construction there will be a careful management plan to make sure there is no pollution whatsoever of the sea. At this stage we just want to show people what the information is, the correct information. There's been a lot of misinformation put out in the last week or so on social media. So today's the first opportunity for everyone to see exactly what is proposed and hopefully make their own views. If they've got any feedback we can take that on board. There will be many public consultation events for this uh, development and what you see today may not be what actually gets put forward uh, ultimately. Unfortunately, um, some incorrect information was put out on social media to begin with, and that has um, created, I think, a lot of concern. So we're just about putting the correct information out there today, letting people form their own view, we'll take on board comments, and then we'll, we'll have a look at the design. Brixham is just marvellous. This part of Brixham is fantastic, and it's it's about actually uh, looking after what makes this place special and putting something in it that's going to help the Brixham economy grow, create jobs. It's about, it's about both of those things. Former New Labour spin doctor Alistair Campbell's been in Devon this week promoting his new book, But What Can I Do?, at the Budley Salterton Literary Festival. He knows Devon well, having trained on the old Mirror Group training scheme, which in its day was a leading route into the industry for journalists, and working on the Tavistock Times, which you know well, Ali. Yes, uh, I was at the Tavistock Times for a couple of decades, so uh, I was there for quite a while but never bumped into Alistair Campbell, unfortunately, but heard an awful lot of stories about him. His name crops up every now and then. It certainly does. I was on the Mirror Group training scheme as well, but I was a year or maybe two years behind Alistair Campbell, so I, I, I saw him and I'm aware of him having been there, but I never worked with him and he won't remember me, that's for absolutely sure. Oh, I'm sure he would, Guy. So Alistair Campbell has been uh, speaking to Radio X's Josh Tate and to set a bit of context, Josh is Britain's youngest newsreader and he started with a reference to Josh's age when he explained his links to the county. Well, I know Devon quite well because I, when I was a bit older than you, when I was early 20s training as a journalist, I trained on the Tavistock Times. And actually coming into Budley Salton today, it felt, had that sort of feel to it. Uh, but it's nice, I like being here. I went for a swim in the sea. Couldn't really get going very well. The waves was pretty strong in there. But yeah, nice. So let's start about the, what the Prime Minister said today about, the, about climate change. Mm -hmm. If you were still doing your communications for Labour, what would you be thinking and what would you be saying right now? 
Well, I'll tell you exactly what I, t- I watched his speech and I'll tell you exactly what I tweeted. If it's the massive change that he says he is, says it is, why is he doing it as a press conference, not a statement in Parliament? And if it's such a big change, why aren't we having a general election so people can vote for it? I think the country's just sick to death of the whole thing. You know, it, there's such an inherent contradiction in what he's saying. We're committed to net zero. We're not watering down our commitments. Because here, here's how I'm watering down our commitments. It's just all... And I think they're kind of making things up as they go along. And I think one of the things this government does, I think it gaslights the country the whole time. What did this thing on the, on the, on the lectern say? Long-term decisions for a brighter future or something. They're literally making stuff up day by day. I mean, I honestly do think the country's desperately need to change and they've got to go as soon as they can. You've claimed that democracy is broken. Why, why do you think that? No, I don't think democracy's broken. I think democracy is under real threat. Look, democracy is broken in some parts of the world. Um, you look at what's happened with Putin in Russia, you look at uh, China, you look at India, you, you know, you look at what was happening in Brazil until quite recently. And I just think there's a lot of the same things that led to those changes are, are happening in our country as well, so we've just got to be very wary. I, you know, you can argue that the fact that eventually the Conservatives got rid of Johnson, the fact that they got rid of trust quite quickly, you could argue that's the system sort of working. But the country has not had a say in that. And I, I think that democracy is under real pressure because the people that we've put in power in recent years have been, have been stressing the institutions to breaking point. Don't underestimate how much damage is done to our politics by having somebody as Prime Minister for a few years, Johnson. I mean, anybody who's known him for longer than three minutes knows he's a liar. Anybody who's known him for longer than ten minutes knows that you can't trust the guy as far as you can throw him. And we put him in there, and he's done fundamental damage to our institutions, which I don't think Sunak is really doing enough to repair. What do you think should happen over the next six to 12 months? Well, I mean, the country's drifting. There's no real leadership. There's got to be change. There's got to be an election. There's got to be... You know, they, they don't have to have it. Sunak's democratically entitled to stay there. But what is he for? What is this government for? And I just think with the scale of challenges that we face, the scale of the number of things that just frankly don't work in this country, here's how I actually sent home a message today saying, don't quite believe it, but I got in on time today. Both the trains I got were on time. And that's like a sort of bit of a shock. You know, the trades worked. Uh, but, you know, even going down to swim in the sea today and all the people say, oh, you've got to watch out for the sewage. And I'm thinking, you know, we really, we, you come to a beautiful place on the seaside and you've really got to worry about whether there's going to be sort of brown stuff floating alongside you as you swim. It's just, you know, and they've allowed this to happen. I do think, you know, Sunak obviously gets a lot of the flack now because he's the Prime Minister, but a lot of these problems go back to Cameron and Osborne and austerity, a lot of the problems go back to Brexit, and a lot of the problems go back to Johnson. So talking about elections, in Exeter we had May elections for councillors, and only 36% of the population went to vote, so that's so two in three adults didn't vote. Yeah. What would you recommend or encourage people to do to vote? Well, as it happens, this is, this is a minority view. I am actually in favour of compulsory voting for local, all local and national elections. But short of that, what has to happen is that it's the challenge to politicians to rebuild that link so that people feel they not only that they, that they can have a say, but they must have a say. And, you know, the book that I'm talking about tonight is essentially is about that. It's about how do you get involved, how do you get engaged, trying to make people understand they do have agency. 
I think what's happened is that people have just sort of given up hoping that they can make change through their own political activism and let alone through voting. And I think it's tragic that when you meet young people in particular, young women in particular, who say, oh, there's no point voting, they're all the same, nothing ever changes. It's just nonsense. They're not all the same and things are changing fast. And the question is, do you want to be part of that change, have a say in that change or just sort of walk on by? So Labour will change the voting age to 16 if they win the next general election. What do you think about that? I'm totally in favour of it, totally in favour of it. And one of the best things about the Scottish referendum was the fact that 16- and 17-year-olds had a say. And it changed the nature of the debate. And even though a lot of them voted in a way that I wouldn't necessarily want them to vote, I just think it just made the debate healthier. And I'm even thinking we should bring it lower but match it to political education in schools. We are one of the most ill-informed countries on the planet. You go to France and Germany, they re- people really have an understanding of how their politics works. A lot of people in Britain, they, you know, partly it's because of the way the media covers politics, but it's also the fact that we don't have proper political education in this country. So when you were in power for over a decade, why did lowering, lowering the age of voting not come to your mind, or did it come to mind? We talked about it, and... I guess, you know, the the difference between sitting here and saying what I think about an issue and people actually being in government having to address different priorities, I guess we didn't think at the time that it was a big enough priority. But I think that our politics, you know, I don't think our democracy is broken. I think democratic institutions can can be made stronger. But our politics feels like it's breaking. And I think we need real radical political change. And one of those changes, I think, we should be to lower the voting age. Thank you. Is there anything you'd like to say about your book quickly? <laughs> Buy it. <laughs> uh, no, no, you can say it. I don't, listen, that, that's like saying, you know, but there it is. It's called, but what can I do? Why politics has got so, gone so wrong and what you can all do to fix it? The main thing to do to fix it is to take an interest, get engaged, get involved and not think that you can't make that difference because you can. Alistair Campbell speaking with Radio X's Josh Tate at the Budley Salterton Literary Festival. Depending what time you're listening to this podcast, you still may be able to get to some events. It finishes on Sunday. There's a shorter spring festival too, and Radio X is media sponsor. And last but not least, the Boo Radleys had one big hit in the 90s. And while the band has new music, two new albums recently, individually they've also had other interesting lines of work. Simon Rowbottom, also known as Dr Sice, was lead singer and guitarist. He's also a psychologist and he's in Devon next week at the Phoenix in Exeter with a solo show, The Secret of Happiness, which combines music and psychology. I'm Simon Rowbottom. I'm also known as Dr. Sice. I'm the, the lead singer and guitarist of the Boo Radleys. We were uh, around and successful in the 1990s and we're also recently released a couple of albums and we're out on tour. But what um, what I'm currently doing at the moment is I'm trying to bring together my, my kind of two careers because I also retrained as being a psychologist. So I'm currently um, out. I'll be out doing my one-man show, which is called The Secrets of Happiness. Um, and that'll be out end of September. I'll be visiting um, Padstow and Exeter. And the show is an attempt to bring together music and, and psychology, but with an emphasis on mental health. And what I kind of want to do is to, to make mental health more understandable. 
So Exeter is uh, Wednesday the 27th of September it's at the Exeter Phoenix workshop. So I'll be there on the 27th and it's a kind of it's a it's a kind of theater show but it also has music and it's also hopefully really good fun as well because it's kind of about not taking it too seriously as well. It's not just a kind of lecture. Some of it's from my own personal experience so I'll be kind of talking about, you know, my time as a musician kind of doing Glastonbury Festival, um, doing Top of the Pops, a lot of these kind of famous things that I went through, but also playing music and talking about psychology and kind of integrating mental health into that. I'll kind of do um, a couple of Boo Radley songs and I'll do I'll do some kind of covers that I think have a have a kind of connection to mental health and sometimes and I kind of threaded through with the narrative of the show. It is lighthearted. It's not taking things too seriously. So it can be actually after a good night out. It's a kind of it's it, it fits the bill. Simon Rowbottom, Dr. Sice, that piece produced by Alfie Richardson. That's it for this episode. Thanks, as always, for listening. Devon Cass will return very soon with more of the stories behind the county's news headlines. Bye for now, but before we go, from the Boo Radleys, this is Seeker. Looking for
Podcast from Radio X.